0: Do babies have a natural instinct to sleep? Getting a better understanding of what my partner needed and what my children really needed, that's made a huge difference. Because otherwise I can get a little bit overwhelmed. (laughs) Yeah, I think lots of parents can relate to that. You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt. When your child starts to talk for the first time, it is very exciting. Who can forget the first mum, or it might be ma or dad, da, Then again, for me, that is all I hear now, but it sounds more like, (laughs) so I've probably forgotten the first time they said it. Now, all children progress with their words at a different rate. Some are jabbering nonstop at two, while others take a bit longer to find their voice. Maybe they have difficulty with words, or you may start to notice the hint of a stutter or a lisp. Emily Mackey is a speech pathologist and founder of Speak About Speech and she joins us now to take us through speech sounds, stutters and lisps. Hi Emily, how are you? Hi, thank you so much for having me today. Is there a scientific reason why I would have Problem Saying stutters and
1: lips <laughs> It's a bit of a tongue twister. As a speech therapist, I have known myself to be a little bit tongue tied, and everybody laughs at me being a speech therapist. You shouldn't be tongue tied, but okay, it happens. It <laughs> does happen, doesn't
0: it? Yeah. So, um, At what age can we expect children start to make sounds? Not, you know, not words or anything, but, you know, when they start to, I guess, babble and it sounds like there's meaning in the babble?
1: Sure, sure. So one of the main areas is the speech sounds, like you're saying. Um, There's a few different words for it. You can sometimes call it speech sounds, articulation or pronunciation. So um, basically that's how easily someone can understand your child. Um, During development from a baby up until they start school, they, their sound should be getting clearer as they're getting older. So for example, a child might say wabbit with a wet sound instead of rabbit, um, or they could say tuck instead of truck. Um, and at different ages, that is appropriate. However, we want those errors to kind of resolve or be gone by the time they start school. So generally, by the time a child's three, their speech should start to be about sixty percent clear. So, okay. before that, it's totally okay. It's totally normal if they're getting their sounds confused, if they're stumbling a bit on getting them clear up, because they're just starting to learn to talk. They're just starting to get a feel for how their mouth moves, a feel for how their lips and their teeth move. Because and toddlers,
0: like, that. like I remember when my kids before I, they before they were clear, they have four and six now. But when they were small, yeah. You, people would say, what did they <laughs> say then? And you felt like as a parent you should know, but really I had no idea. Yeah. Because yeah. it was just weird cacophony. Yeah. babble of, and things. Yeah. yeah. And that
1: is actually completely normal at a certain age. So generally before one, that's when they'd be doing all that sort of babbling and gibberish, I guess. Um, and then as they're moving over two, it should be less. And then three, it should be more or most of the time real words and then they're starting to develop the clear speech and the pronunciation.
0: Does it matter some like I mentioned in the introduction some children are very verbose they love to yes. chat and some children their personality is that they don't speak a lot does that play into it at all whether your child is a talker or they're shy? Because I'd imagine they got more practice if they're just talking all the time.
1: Yes and no. I think looking at the environment as a whole in terms of their personality, um, but whether they have siblings at home, whether they're in preschool from a younger age, whether they are socialised at playgroups or things like that, that probably also impacts on um, whether they're more open to meeting new people, you know, um, or a little bit shyer or, or whatnot.
0: So socialisation does have a part to play in speech development?
1: Oh, of course. Yes, definitely. Um, I would definitely recommend that parents um, are attending a playgroup or a preschool. Normally local libraries have local rhyme time or story time. Just getting involved and getting as much sort of language um, or stimulation as possible is great, and that's all in preparation for school, preparing them for school routines and how they function at school and things like that
0: just going back a step, because I know this was something I wondered, when they're say b- before one and they're babbling, but they sound like they're actually asking you something. Yes. Um, is it okay to talk to them like you have understood? I mean, is that actually a good thing to do? Yes,
1: of course. Yes. Even if you've got it completely wrong? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the kid's like, you are so dumb, mum. I have done that before on many occasions. <laughs> but yes, that is really, really good model of communication. Basically, you want your child to understand that it's a two way street. So, you know, mum says something, I say something. If I say, um, if I ask mum something, I get something. Like if I ask for milk, I get milk. So it is really, really good to actually do that because you're modelling communication. You're modelling what they need to do as they go to school or as they get older. So, yes, by all means, interpret what you want, <laughs> interpret what you think they're saying. Um, if it's leading to a little bit of frustration, so if, you know, you're kind of thinking, I have no idea what you're saying, um, a common One that I use is I say, show me with your actions or you point or you, you know, you take me there. You know, if they're trying to say I I need an apple or something, um, maybe the gestures can help as well.
0: You're listening to Kindling Conversation. We're talking about speech sounds and and development and what it should be like for our children with Emily Mackey. She is a speech pathologist, the founder of Speak and Speech. And we've just been talking about, you know, uh, when children babble and communicating with them, even if you don't quite understand what they're saying. And the fact uh, Emily mentioned that after three, their words should definitely be clearer, their communication easier with you. When you mentioned before, you know, a child might say wabbit and that's appropriate at a yes. certain age, should we be correcting them when they say it wrong?
1: At different ages, so from three to about five, five and a half, that's the critical time when different sounds are developing. So um, on my website, at speakaboutspeech.com, I've put for every age what single sound should be developing. So you want to give your child um, a chance to produce them when they're appropriate and correct. So for example, if, when your child's three, they wouldn't be saying probably chocolate clear. So if you correct it, it actually might be a little bit more frustrating for the child because that's not appropriate. Like developmentally, it's not appropriate. However, if you're correcting them for the f- sound in fish when they're 3 that is actually a good correction because they should be saying that sound at that age.
0: Okay, I get you. Um,
1: However, you don't want to be correcting them so it leads to frustration or, you know, anxiety if they're thinking I'm not going to say this correctly. So it's... I'd really encourage parents to just follow along with the sounds at each age that they should be producing. And then... um, if they have concerns, then to contact a speech therapist because you don't you don't want it to be frustrating for you and for the child if they're having a bit of difficulties with it.
0: Okay, we'll put a link to that on yes. our website. I must say that I've noticed with both my children when they say things the wrong way, so my son might say, um, hopstable, which oh, I yes, think is the cutest common. thing in the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if I say, oh, it's hospital, yes. he will try or... Another common thing they do is say things in the past tense, yes, or when it should be present tense, or something yes. like that. And um, I used to, I didn't, wouldn't want to overcorrect them all the time, yep. but just they never take it personally. Like I'll say, yes. oh, even if they're in angry or fighting <laughs> or whatever, and you just say the sentence back to them, they seem to yes. just move with it. Do you find that with yeah, kids yes. generally?
1: Yeah, their brain is developing and it's ticking over, and they're trying to learn. And children are like a little sponge; their brain is just give me more, give me more, I want to learn. So that's really positive. It's really good. But most of the time, um, children are pretty good when you kind of correct them. But um, hospital (laughs) is one of the (laughs) harder words for children to say. Yes. So often we have to, um, we find that teaching children hospital and ambulance, they're the two (laughs) that they get stuck on even going into kindy.
0: Yeah, right. So it
1: is a later developing word, and it's just because of the sounds in the word, they're just a little bit tricky I for be, children I'd to I'd be get happy for him out. to say it that way for the rest of his life. Isn't it that is terrible? It's very cute. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, now, there are some speech impediments that um, we've grown up knowing, say, for example, stutters yes. or lisps. I'm curious to know, I know that stuttering, for example, can be debilitating for the child who's speaking or the adult who's speaking. But when it comes to lisps, is that something that we just don't like as society? I mean, does it actually (laughs) affect anyone if someone has a a lisp?
1: (laughs) So a lisp is basically, um, when we explain what it is, it's your tongue coming out between your teeth. So it's not technically impacting anybody, but it does make you sound a little bit Um, different. Not clear. Yeah, Yeah, not clear. Not clear, okay. (laughs) Or unclear. So basically, children uh, should not have a lisp beyond the age of three and a half. So it may actually be there when they're developing their sounds, um, two to three years of age, but by three and a half, if they're still putting their tongue out between their teeth, then we then if you want their speech to be clear, you'd probably need to just see a speech therapist um, just because you want to get onto it early. So then as they get older, it actually doesn't become in a way a bad habit.
0: Is there any way to prevent a child from getting a lisp given you said that it's about pushing their tongue through their
1: teeth? Yeah, the, the main thing that parents can do is to make sure that their child doesn't have a dummy for too long of a time. So um, particularly for children that have a dummy throughout the day, and I'm talking um, after two years of age, uh, have a dummy through the day or they have a dummy just, I don't know, like at different points in the day when they're going to sleep, what the dummy does, it actually promotes the tongue to come between the teeth in a suck. So the more a child has a dummy, the more it's um, ingraining into the brain, tongue out between the teeth, tongue out between the teeth. So a really proactive and preventative measure to ensure your child doesn't have a lisp is to take away the dummy, ASAP, Um And you kind of also then want to make sure that the dummy isn't wrecking their teeth, their dental development as well. So you could save yourself a lot of money and trips to the dentist.
0: Yes, and that could be something they don't want to leave Yeah, beard. And stuttering, of course. I mean, where does stuttering come from?
1: <laughs> I get this question a lot from parents, and there's so much research dedicated to stuttering. And the fact of the matter is they cannot say there is one cause. There's not 100% cause, which blows my mind because there's so much research. Um, they can say there's many links or causes. So if if you have um, family history, if you've had a parent that stutters or um, a sibling that has stuttered, you may be more likely to stutter. If you've had um, any sort of traumatic event in your life, if you had a traumatic pregnancy, if at birth then it was maybe a la- lack of oxygen or anything like that, um, that may also contribute to stuttering. But sometimes then we have children and they just stutter and there's no particular reason why. Uh, and how do you treat a stutter? Treating a stutter is... With a child, we follow a program called the Lidcombe Program, which is developed at Sydney University on the Lidcombe campus. So it's about using behavior modification and praising children um, to help them have an awareness of what they're doing and then to overcome the stutter. It's a parent-trained program because stuttering is actually not curable. So you, it's got a very high rate of um, recovery with children who are under six, but they They may or may not, it may come back. And so we want to train the parents in how they can kind of work with their child in the case that it does. Um, It's, you know, it's not 100%, but you want to make sure that the parents know how to work with the child as well.
0: Emily, that was so interesting. Thank you so much for coming in.
1: No worries. Thank
0: you for having me. That was speech pathologist Emily Mackey, founder of Speak About Speech. And for more on LISP's stutters and speech development, just head to our website. That's kindling.com.au and search for LISP. You've been listening to Kindling Conversation. If you enjoyed it, there's plenty more where that came from.